You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Clap, 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 clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. Now, the other part of it, to kind of continue to tie it back, though, is I do, I think it's a pretty interesting revelation. I know he said it to Rachel Nichols, and he meant it, but I do think it's a pretty interesting revelation. Like, maybe Joel is mad about how this James Harden thing is playing. Like, do you think that Joel, you know, we could talk about, you know, is Harden worth the max? Do they need him? Like, whatever. If Joel really wants him back and this is not happening, like, that is a very interesting wrinkle to, to all this. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're Joel, you probably look at it from this perspective and say, this feels like a self-inflicted wound to a certain extent. And Daryl being the quote-unquote James Harden guy, for you to allow it to get to this point, it's just like, what are you doing, man? Like, your whole thing is you're good with stars and stars are what matter and so on and so forth. And so to allow it to reach this point is just like, What's going on here? And I can totally understand the instinct from Joel to say, well, I clearly need to leverage some pressure here and put some pressure on the organization because this should not happen. And like the reason you bring in a Daryl Morey is to avoid situations like this happening. Now, Morey will sit here and the Sixers will sit here and say, it's still only as we sit here today, July 18th, and there's plenty of time to make trades and what have you. They're going to take the same position to some extent that the Blazers are, but they're not in the same position as the Blazers where if the Blazers let the Dame thing go for a while and push that into the season, they'll just tank anyway. They're going to be Mm -hmm. a young team that doesn't really care. Dame doesn't show up. He's still on a contract for a few more years. The Sixers won an all-star level return for Harden, which is what I reported on Monday, where they want – there are basically two different packages they're looking for here with Harden, right? One would be, all right, we're going to try to keep the team as competitive as it can possibly be right now, either maintain the level they're at or improve on that. So that's probably a multi-team trade right now to send Harden to most likely LA and flip that stuff immediately for, you know, star player X. I know we've brought up Levine a lot. Zion's name was floated earlier in the offseason as like available guy. Mm. But the problem with this sort of scenario right now is that there's nobody that's like really gettable. That's maybe Pascal Siakam. We'll get to in a second. The second version of that trade is that they make a deal now where they probably take a step back, but they recoup a lot of assets, a lot of picks that they can flip later for when that player becomes available. And that is probably the more realistic scenario. 
And that's the one that I think Joel looks at and is like, well, what does that do for me though right now? Getting yeah. a pick in 2028 and 2030 and pick swaps and whatever, that doesn't help Joel Embiid on the floor in October, November, December, January. So those are the two, I think, realistic paths that the Sixers see right now. And neither one of them is like, oh man, that's, you're really jumping for joy unless there's a star who's more available than we know that they have something cooking on that. Yeah. And like, I'm fine with Joel feeling that way. I think Joel yes. should want the most competitive piece around him. I like Joel putting pressure on the organization. It's just, you know, before we move on, like it's when you kind of take away all the good you did by doing the joking on Twitter, then like, I, I can't sit here and be like, wow, like good job, Joel put pressure on it when you basically come out and mock the fans, in my opinion, that were like upset about it and say that it wasn't a big deal. So all that, like, I like putting pressure on it, but it just, it really frustrates me. It might be the thing that frustrates me the most in Philly sports when Joel does this Twitter thing. Cause like, I know he's better than that. I know he's smarter than it. I know he's, he's a good enough player not to deal with this reaction. So we, I'm sure there will be another incident of it, but it was, uh, it was quite the quote to wake up to. Uh, and then the tweets obviously um, on vacation, but the other thing, since we've talked about Harden, I did want to get your thoughts, or not just your thoughts, maybe to get you to expound on it. You reported um, that like there's some maybe some concern that Harden, this thing is not going to be pretty between the two sides. We've talked about this at length. Like my opinion has always been, I think because Harden likes his teammates, he will come in and be a good camper. He has financial incentive to do it, where he's at in his career, all those things kind of break down, I guess, for those that might have missed it, and you shouldn't, it's an article on Philly Voice, but but break it down, you know, what you're hearing about the James Harden thing. Yeah, so as it was expressed to me, essentially Harden's camp, and now keep in mind, you're hearing this from multiple people. Harden's camp, I think, believes that they've handled this mostly professionally so far. And I think the initial reporting on Harden's I don't want to say trade demand, but trade requests, however you want to frame that. I don't mm -hmm. whatever. I feel like it's a demand. We, we can parse words, but I feel like yeah, it's Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a it's semantics at the <laughs> end. <of the laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think the initial thing was communicated as they're working together to try to find a deal, mm -hmm. right? The Sixers, Harden and Harden's representation are all kind of working in conjunction with one another. And so not kumbaya or anything but it's at least like they're kind of on the same page to that extent and as it was expressed to me i think the longer this goes on the antsier that harden and his people get and the more they're willing to be like listen if this keeps going we could press some buttons that you're not going to like so i think the start of that is probably the stuff that's coming out from Shams and some other people that there's a, a fracture and the relationship between Harden and Maury, which I think is certainly true. Like we wouldn't be here if there was a, if the relationship was as good as it had been in the past, I think they'd be able to hammer things out a little easier. I think maybe at some point you might see Harden and his camp get to the point where they're talking about whether there was some kind of handshake deal between mm -hmm the Sixers and Harden last summer that now is not being honored because that that is really the nuclear option in the sense that that triggers if they start going public with that NBA investigations and what have you. Now, what I would say on that front, because that would be uh, CBA circumvention, essentially, 
Right. Um, what I would say there is that I I would think the Sixers believe they're covered there because they were investigated so extensively last summer. All their texts, all their emails, communications, and the league said they did nothing wrong with Harden. So that would have come out back then if there was really a traceable issue. But, you know, I, I think if Harden's camp really wants to try to cause problems, they'll play up that angle. They'll bring that to various reporters and outlets and le- start leaking things like that. Maybe get into more of the Tucker and House deals and how that came together. So I don't know what they're going to do is what I would say. But I think that's the first place you would probably look. And then, of course, like beyond the, hey, just leak stuff to the media, then you get to training camp in late September. And we know what Harden looks like when he doesn't care. He can mm-hmm. be disruptive. He might show up out of shape and can get in shape relatively quickly once he's like motivated to do so. But he could be a presence, a toxic presence, if he really wants to. I still doubt that he would do that because I think that's for him hustling backwards to a certain extent, especially this deep in his career with fewer teams out there that are willing to give him you know, the money and the years that he wants. But these are all just kind of things over the horizon or on the horizon that I think the Sixers have to be prepared for. And if they don't start to make some real traction, some real progress on a potential hardened trade, then, you know, who knows what's going to happen, I think is kind of the the word right now. Well, listening to you talk about that, the thing I think about is what we talked about in the last pod, which is like the benefits of Nick Nurse knowing what's going on. Like, do you want an out of shape, mad James Harden showing up to the first day of practice? Like, forget a scheme thing, just from a, a vibe perspective of starting off the season as your first season as a head coach, that's certainly not good. I tend to agree with you still that, I don't think James will do it, but I had not thought of those other nuclear options you're talking about where this agent, who, by the way, seems to just be fumbling at this at every corner. But regardless, if if they like if they're going to go out and say, you know, Daryl promised me this and blah, 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 there are potential. Yeah, you're right. Like the league could could mess with them. My thing is, I just don't know how much I care if James is mad at Daryl Morey. Like if he was really mad at Joel Embiid or if he, you know, I know obviously Nick Nurse wasn't the coach last year, but if he had an issue with the head coach. Yeah, like doesn't want to play for Nurse for whatever reason. Right, like those are an issue. And again, if he comes in mad, that's an issue. But him and Daryl having a good relationship, I don't think that matters. Like I I cover the Eagles full time. Like if if a player's mad at Howie, like who cares? Howie's not in the locker room. Howie's not on the practice field. Howie's on the team playing, but he certainly is not where the players sit. So while Daryl, I get in the NBA, it's a bit of a tighter, smaller community. The rosters aren't as big. Darryl, like, I get all that. But I don't know, man. Like, if if their card they're going to play is Harden and Daryl, like James Harden and Daryl don't get along, okay. Like, then, did, then you shouldn't have opted in. And I get that they opted in with the belief that they will be traded. But when you opted into that agreement, you essentially kept very open the door. Well, you completely opened the door that the Sixers control your fate because they do control it but also the possibility you could come back. So all like the initial set of cards they're playing to your point about leaking it to Shams and all that, that Daryl and, and uh, James will get along. Like, I don't really care. Like, I, I don't think that's that nuclear of an option to play. I mean, am I wrong to think that like, who cares? He doesn't like the GM. Okay. Like you're not going to be playing with him. You're not going to be getting coached by him. 
Well, and to your point, I think if you look at the last two situations that he wanted out of in Houston, it was pretty clear that he had just run his race there. Yeah. Right. And they had, they traded Russell Westbrook for John Wall, who was washed. And it was just like, well, what am I doing here? Like, what's mm-hmm. this roster that I'm playing with? That was obviously the problem. And then in Brooklyn, the issue was predominantly with Kyrie Irving. It's not all Kyrie Irving, but he was a big factor in it. And so that was it. That had a real night to night impact on, all right, who am I taking the floor with? What do we have to work with here? Who's the coach? And so on and so forth. And now it's, it's different. It is a, a managerial front office type problem. And so you could envision a reality where he says, well, fuck it. I'm on the final year of my deal. I like my teammates. Joel's really good, blah, blah, blah. And then just decides I'm going to show up and I'm going to hoop and I'm going to, you know, we're going to let the chips fall where they may. But I just, I think the reason that it's still a credible threat is because even if the the parties and the, the type of people that he's been mad at before are different, it's still like this guy has shown when he puts his foot down, he means it. He doesn't empty threat you. He doesn't play the good soldier when he's not happy. Mm-hmm. He makes you know, makes it known that he's not happy and he shows that at work and it negatively impacts your franchise. And well, so even if it's different, and I agree with you, I, I think it could be different. And I think if the Sixers are trying to, to spin it and look for the silver lining, I think they have reason to do so. But the reason that it's a credible threat is because Harden has been in at least sort of similar situations before, and he has dragged the whole team down with him. Well, and that's a tough part about him opting in where it's like, well, what can the Sixers do? Like Daryl and Embiid, and we talked about this, like they can throw him lifelines and they can say we really need them. And all the, like Daryl can apologize profusely and say what. But like contractually, there is nothing that can be done. James has opted in. And I do wonder, I saw this um, on ESPN, like if he's traded, he gets a trade kicker of an additional $5 million. You do wonder if maybe that's part of the reason that he really wants to be traded is just to recoup some of that money. Maybe he felt he lost by by taking his like cheaper deal last year. And the other thing I would say about that is, A, I think we've gone a little far in just saying he took $15 million less just to improve the roster. Like James, like, Hey, that's kind of your bad. Number one. Like if there was a ton of money out there and you turned it down, like, sorry, B, you didn't get in, in writing, but also like, C, you were coming off a bad year. Like you were like, you were bad in the playoffs. You were hurt. You had not as much negotiating power as you do coming off this other year. So I think that James is mad at Daryl in some ways, but I also think again, he's just projecting his poor mistakes onto Daryl in a way. And that's not to completely absolve Daryl. If, if Daryl has messed this relationship up and now Joel's mad, like Daryl holds responsibility too. But James, you also need to look at the in the mirror and say, you took less money willingly, whether whatever was promised, it wasn't in writing, like you took less money, you opted in, which gave the Sixers control of where you go and limited what they could do for you financially. Had he opted out and was a free agent, who knows? Maybe the Sixers start to feel pressure about the nuclear options you talk about, or they like, who knows? Maybe they end up giving him more money. But once you opt in, you you end that. So just add it all up. Like It just seems like a situation where they're either going to have to trade him or he's just going to have to get, get in a better mood about this because he also holds responsibility. Yeah, and to that point, the quote he gave in the playoffs, I think it was during the Nets series, about sacrifice and how the whole year was about yeah. sacrifice for him and he was going to see what it brought back to him. 
there were some people who thought that was a positive. I thought the way that he said that was really telling and that it was like sacrifice. It's not true sacrifice. If you're saying, what does it bring me? Like, what is it for me? The <laughs> yeah, whole, yeah, exactly. the whole, the whole yes. basis of sacrifice is that you're just giving yourself up for others. And you don't expect anything name, in return. Whether it's exactly. And so look, I get it. He if we want to say that he could have gotten more money and he took less so that PJ Tucker and Daniel House Jr. could be on the team, that's great. And that's a great thing to do. You don't then just get to gloat and be like, well, then what do I get now? Like right. what you right. got were the two teammates that you probably wouldn't have had otherwise who helped your team and gave you a chance to win. And you and your co-star teammate fucking no showed in the two most important games of the season and you lost. That's what sacrifice got you because you didn't deliver when you needed to. Like don't, you can't come back this summer and throw a hissy fit because you had an, an absolutely ridiculous meltdown in the two most important games of the year. And now it's like, well, why aren't you paying me, you know, $150 million over three seasons? Because of what we saw happen on the floor, dude. Like, mm -hmm. I don't, sorry, sorry that the Rockets thing fell apart because they'd rather pay Fred Van Vliet the same money yeah. than you. Like, that's that's the market. That's how it works. You know, all these guys will always tell you it's a business. It's a business. It's a business. And I understand when it comes to this level of money, and you're a star who's been catered to a certain way. It's hard to set that aside. But this is the reality, man. Like, you're in your mid thirties. You've had hamstring issues. You have one of the most notorious playoff resumes in the league and not in a good way. And you were about to reach free agency and find out that there are not a lot of people out there that were willing to offer you a ton of money. And so the Sixers were one of the teams who kind of felt the same way. They were going to give him, I don't know what at this point exactly, they wanted him on a team-friendly deal. But this ends up working out, at least in terms of the long-term stuff, better for them than him. And so... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, and that's the just... thing too. Like every decision he's made has backfired on him. Like taking less money for two teammates. Will uh, if if you're really that upset about how you're about wanting to be the center of the offense, well, then to your point, like you made the sacrifice. Like you did it, and so I respect you for that. But you did it, and you opted in. Once you opt in, like the Sixers' ability to help you is gone. It it just is. Like they can try to trade you to the Clippers and what, but it's also on. Daryl to make sure it's for the betterment of the team. But to kind of wrap these two topics up in a bow before we talk about Siakam, it does make me worried about how this season could go. I have been very much in the camp of I'm okay running it back. I think they have a legit a chance to contend. I think continuity matters. Like I, I do believe in all that, but I also know, and you know this too, from being in locker rooms, like off the court stuff matters. And the yes. tenor of these pods are is changing. Like when the season first ended, it was being mad at the team. We get all that. But then you can look and look at, you know, positivity and like they were good. But now it's Joel. Joel saying he really wants Harden back. Joel is talking about maybe not playing here. Harden's really mad at Daryl Morey. Who knows what's going to happen with that? Like 
And this might be a stretch, but I don't super think it is. Like Tyrese Maxey's in a contract year. And if let's say two months into the season, Tyrese is not getting the opportunities he wants, like who knows how that plays out? Maybe he's saying, hey, like I need more opportunities for my contract. Or when we talked earlier in the year, you said you weren't going to put me in trade rumors. I know you want, like there is so much there bubbling under the surface that there is a worry for me that as good as they are and as much I do think they have a, a real title, a shot to contend, like it's a lot to manage and it's a lot to be worried about. Well, and not to compare them to the 90s Bulls, but like unlike in a scenario with the last dance, for example, those mm-hmm. guys had all won a ton of shit already when that happened, yeah. right? Where all the issues that are going on behind the scenes where Scotty's not getting paid and Jordan's going to retire and Phil's going to leave and all that stuff. They all were able to put all the personal and individual bullshit aside because they knew we've won multiple titles together. Like this is worth it. I will buy in because I know that the payoff is potentially there. Mm -hmm. Whereas this group, you could go into the season and say, you know, other than Nick Nurse who won a title four years ago, a lot of these guys are like, well, why am I sacrificing for this group? Nobody else here has won anything really. None of the like team driving players. Joel hasn't won anything. James hasn't won anything. Tyrese certainly hasn't. And so you have to avoid that sort of mentality seeping into the whole team right you can't go into the season with guys worried about themselves and what the next thing is everybody has to be dialed into yeah this season and the next goal and the next game and the next step and that's going to be a really challenging thing now luckily nick nurse is not a first year head coach this is something that he's had some experience with high level teams and and so on and so forth so maybe you could sell that he's going to be able to wrangle these guys. and But I just – I find it hard to believe, even though it seems likelier every passing day, that they're going to bring Harden back and everything's just going to be like, oh, yeah, everyone will line up and be happy and they're just going to put all business aside and go out there and win. I just – I don't think that's realistic. Yeah, you might be right about that. I mean, I again – my brain does tell me they're a very good team and a very good roster and a very winnable East. And maybe that's, maybe that's enough, but you know, with the Eagles, one thing I always point to is they have a very strong backbone, like the owner, GM, head coach, uh, quarterback, they're all on good pages. They're all on the same page right now. And it just doesn't feel like the Sixers have a strong backbone to lean on to your point. Like the bulls had something they could, they could like all at the end of the day, look at and go, yes, this is worth it. And we all believe in it. It feels like the Sixers are on 19 different pages right now. Good news is they don't really have to be on the same page until training camp begins, so they have time, but it is concerning. Now, the well, last and thing I'll- One more thing on the Eagles, too. Like The Eagles also have like Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and these guys who have been there for years and years and years who have won a lot. Yeah, and Brandon won, Graham, Fletcher Cox. Won, like they, exactly. Yeah. You could go down the list. It's a lot of guys who are part of the Super Bowl team that know what it takes to get there, and- these guys don't have that. They have like PJ yeah. Tucker, but PJ Tucker is in his late 30s and no disrespect to him, he's not Lane Johnson. He's not Jason Kelsey at his position. He's not potentially a future Hall of Famer. He's a good role player, but he is not at that level and he can't command that level of respect or influence the game that as much as those guys do, which is a yeah. major difference. 100%. And it puts a lot of Nick Nurse's plate and 
look, it also puts a lot on Joel's plate because once Joel is there in camp, if James is there, like it's on Joel too to make sure everybody's on the same page. 